Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. What does the James Harden saga tell us about the Anthony Davis extension? And is this whole thing more or less tense than Kobe's big trade demand all those years ago? Coming up next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast, it's always going to be free, never behind a paywall. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out with over 20,000 subscribers to the channel. Uh, everybody getting ready for uh, what should be a really fun regular season. We're watching Austin Reeves in the World Cup. We're, 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 we're checking out, Andy, the James Harden saga, uh, which we'll get to here in a second. We're also going to talk about Rob Polinka. Uh, I had a conversation with Harrison Fagan while you were on vacation that I want to get your opinion on about whether or not Palinka has sort of been redeemed. He's, he's fully back, uh, what the perception is, uh, whether or not you think he is a good GM at this point. Uh, Darvin Ham, interesting comments about the Lakers and their uh, qualities that might help them win a title this year. Uh, but we we got into a little bit, Andy, the James Harden thing yesterday, but not deeply into it um for those of you who don't know or might have missed it james harden uh in china at an adidas camp made it very clear while speaking to a bunch of children <laughs> that he would not <laughs> that daryl morey was a liar and that he would never ever be a part of a team with daryl morey on it uh involved in it um and so that seems to be uh, you know what you know, it's great. I, I was not aware of this till after you and I recorded. I was listening to the great uh, Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. They cover the Sixers and it's very curious to get their take on all of this because they're, they're both very funny, but also diehard Sixer fans. Um, I was not aware of this and I don't know exactly if this was before the event, after the event, uh, side thing or whatever, but like Harden at one point wrote into this thing on like on a three wheel motorcycle or scooter, like indoor, like this was this is like a straight circus. Like he's oh. really, it seems like he's trying to play up the circus of all of this. Like he, he was a costume away from being like the the Utah Jazz bear that used to come out on on the motorcycle and then get on that big ten uh, foot unicycle and juggle and all that stuff, but with more Look, insults. James Harden is a veteran of this process and mm -hmm. different guys handle this in different ways. But you know, he, I don't want to say wrote the playbook of I'm going to make it so ugly and uncomfortable that you're just going to have to do what I want um, by, by my actions, by my uh, diet, by all of these things, I'm going to get what I want. And so he's dusting off the playbook here, getting ready to go. And, well, the problem, um, you know, though, is he's already set, you know, w with the stuff that he did in Houston, you know, partying in Vegas during training camp and hanging out with a little baby and dogging it, then going to Brooklyn and dogging it to force his way eventually to get to Philadelphia. The problem is you have to keep ratching it up. Like yeah. he, he's going to have to show up to the first day of training camp like nude. <laughs> like he's just going to have to really he's go, he, like with something painted across his chest, like hashtag free Harden. Like, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's, he's going to have to really 
crank this thing up because he's already set. You don't want to recycle yourself. Like you don't no, want to feel at God some no. point like like you're playing the greatest hits because this is really important to him. Um, this is obviously a, like if you're a basketball fan of the Sixers, like you mentioned, or the Clippers, which is where he wants to go, or do these are like highly relevant basketball uh, conversations to be having, like this whole James Harden saga, like Joel Embiid has removed Philadelphia from uh, the like from his social media, you know, his his Twitter bio, like the you know he he took the location is no longer like Philadelphia, like he's doing weird things um he took a sixers nft away um you know the phillies so obviously this this impacts those people um it doesn't as we sort of noted on monday's show i'm sorry tuesday's show in like the most delightful ways doesn't involve the lakers like you can't even content troll which is very popular right now on, on Twitter, like this sort of engagement farming. Like you can't even engagement farm. There is no crop available for trying to get James Harden to the Lakers because nobody would believe you. On every level, it is just, it is not even worth the time it takes to pound out a tweet. Um, it is a very refreshing place now for, I wouldn't say almost one and a half stars because there was some Kyrie. The Kyrie thing had legs for a little bit, but then it didn't. And the the Harden thing has zero legs. It's a really nice place for Lakers fans to be, I think. Yeah, especially too. And, and we, when this happened, I thought about in 2007, the offseason where Kobe went nuclear in his trade demand, went on that radio tour, was talking with Stephen A. Smith, Dan Patrick, Petros and Money on 570, Fox's affiliate. I believe he went on 710. The parking ESPN lot of the affiliate in LA. I think he was yeah, on he, the McNeil Lair report on PBS. <laughs> right. He was everywhere. Everywhere demanding this trade, saying that he wanted out, saying that he, he would rather play on Pluto than for the Lakers. And it got me thinking what was this period for the Lakers and for Kobe more tense, more drama, more of a mess than what's going on with James Harden and the Sixers? Like, what was more dramatic? And obviously, you and I may have a more biased opinion on this, like less objective, because you and I were in the middle of that saga. We were covering the team for the LA Times on a daily basis. Like it is safe to say we were neck deep in this trade. I, I mean, I, tension, tense, not tense, whatever. I can tell you that this situation is decidedly less a pain in my ass than that one was. Right. But but I started thinking about like the details and the particulars. And, you know, on one hand, this is happening right now in 2023 in the age of social media with 24-7 media even being a bigger thing. So it seems more ubiquitous, more everywhere with Harden. Harden called Daryl Morey a liar. And those are really strong words. But it should be noted, A, Kobe called Dr. Buss an idiot. That's pretty strong. And You'd rather be a liar or an idiot, Andy. Well, also, Dr. Buss outranks for the Lakers where Daryl Morey is with the Sixers. Dr. Buss owned the damn team. Daryl Morey is just the highest ranking front office exec. But then also, too, like with Harden calling uh Harden calling Daryl Morey a liar, it reminded me Kobe did not say that the Lakers or Dr. Buss or Mitch Kupchak were liars. But he did actually say that promises had been made to him. There's one for, he told Stephen A. Smith 
Promises made to make this team better have not been kept. So where does that leave me? Then told Dan Patrick, the promise that they made was to rebuild right now. To find out, to find out they told Phil something different, which was a long-term plan. But to get me to re-sign, they told me they would rebuild and rebuild right now. Then also, too, Brian, I've forgotten about this. There was also some report in the LA Times, I believe by Mark Heisler, that somebody that Heisler just said, a Laker insider, said that Kobe was to blame for the Kobe Shaq team breaking up, Shaq being out of town, getting traded to the Heat, that this was all Kobe's fault, Kobe's doing. And Kobe was furious about this. And there was all this speculation about who the insider was. Remember, everyone's trying to find out figure out who would be the insider, who would phrase it like this. So we had a lot of fun this with that. Was, oh, th this was incredibly dramatic. And then there was that question about whether or not Kobe would actually show up to training camp because Rick mm -hmm. Buecher had reported that Kobe was willing to sit out the entire season if need be. He was under contract for a couple of years, but he was going to sit out this season. He would never put on a Laker uni again. And I remember when we were at media day, at the old facility where players would come out from the back. And we, we were also able to be closer to this entrance slash exit that they would come and go from players are all filtering out and we're saying, Hey, to everyone catching up, whatever. And Kobe still had not come out. Like he did not come out for about 15 or 20 minutes after everybody else. And there was genuine questions and concerns and wait, Seriously? Like, is he, is he, is he even here? Like, I remember asking people, is, is Kobe here? And, like Laker officials, no, not sure. At one point I'm talking with Kwame and you and I really liked Kwame when we covered him. We got along really well with him. Just catching up with him. Kwame actually asked me, do you know if he's coming? I'm like, dude, I, I'm not on the team. You're on the team. <laughs> go, go in back if you want and check. But like Kwame Brown was not aware of whether or not Kobe was going to be there. That's how incredibly tense this thing got. Yeah. Um, I have an answer as to which is more intense, which is the the bigger deal. Um, and also, uh, I mentioned in the open, I think this some of the stuff, the questions we're talking about here are directly related to what the Lakers, the decision-making process the Lakers went in with, uh, with um, Anthony Davis and the extension that he, that he just signed. So uh, all of that coming up next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and football season is about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you will get bonus bets for every victory, and you can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, whole lot more. Uh, the Chiefs right now, 6-1 to one odds to repeat as champs. The Chargers, for you locals who follow the NFL, 21 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, which I think is actually decent odds. The Raiders currently getting 75 to 1. I would not use them as my bonus bets team. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on, just my unprofessional opinion. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. I. I... The the answer to me to your question, like which one has the more is is the ten, the answer is Kobe, and it's not even close. And the reason is James Harden. 
James Harden is still a good player. I'm not, I'm not saying, and I, I think if you just, you just look at the guy, like the actual, you know, the player on the floor when he's in shape and whatever, or a sh- good shape. He's always in a shape. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it, it's, it's a little too round, but that's not the point. <laughs> Well, sometimes the the roundness gets shaved off by the lap dances. Yeah, well, <laughs> he should be giving them just for the calories you burn. <laughs> the problem is he's, he's receiving them. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't burn as much. Right idea, wrong approach. <laughs> exactly. It's like being the guy who holds their legs when they're doing the sit-ups. It's like you're thank you for participating. You're on the wrong side of this right. equation. Yeah. Um, you know, holding the the fight bag or whatever it is. His heart's in the right place. He's exactly. just exactly wrong approach. Mm-hmm. So James Harden's still a good player, but he's you know getting deeper into his 30s. Uh he is growing less and less reliable as a playoff performer. Um, Kobe Bryant was in his prime when all this was going on, and this was a seismic. James Harden moving from team to team is a big deal. Kobe Bryant leaving the Lakers. It's also a tradition. It is. (laughs) It's true. Um, Kobe leaving the Lakers was a a genuinely seismic event in the NBA that would have changed the balance of power everywhere um and rewritten history in the ways that a 30 he's 33 now 34 however old james harden is leaving the sixers will not yeah even if you take into account harden's exit could potentially affect joel Embiid's exit which Mm -hmm. would obviously reshape the sixers entirely they still haven't done as much as kobe did with the lakers like i agree with you it's kobe and the lakers and it's Frankly, not even close. So, I mean, I, I think it's that summer, while again, a colossal pain in, in our rears in terms of just, can we please have an off season? Um, that summer is one of those moments where you go, I cannot imagine what this would be like if it existed in a social media era today. <sighs> like it was everywhere then. And that was pre-smartphones, really. It was pre-Twitter. you know, Twitter. It was pre-Instagram. It was the, I don't none think of Facebook stuff. even existed. If it did, it was like in its... I mean, we had phones back then, but it wasn't like <laughs> now. I mean, unless people were r- talking about this on like MySpace or Friendster. <laughs> like, I don't think any of that stuff, anything <laughs> existed for this. I, I, again, I don't, I'm not a, I don't remember exactly, but it, not, it, nothing was like it is today. I mean, you couldn't scroll through your iPod and somehow get this information to come up. Um, and you certainly weren't going to get a podcast. So, I mean, the answer is Kobe. Um, and I just, I, I, I go back and I, I think about what this, that would have been like and moments like that because Kobe was essentially using the tools available to him. Um, and they were all traditional media tools. Like, you know, whether it's, people that you plant things with to get your message out or you use um you know uh you you go on every radio show and again am talk radio was the way to distribute your message back then i mean imagine now and at like the first place an athlete thinks when he has got something he wants to say going i gotta get myself on the radio no that's not how it works james harden 
You go to your own podcast or you go to your own Twitter feed. The closest mm -hmm. thing we had to a Twitter feed, and I forgot about this detail, which just ratcheted up even more and shows definitely Kobe. Kobe also was caught in a parking lot by a few randos who recorded it on a cell phone video saying that you needed to ship Andrew Bynum's ass to New Jersey so you could bring Jason Kidd in. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, at least James Harden, at least James Harden wasn't naming names on his way out. No, but the difference, right, but the difference is between those eras is like Kobe didn't know he was being taped. No. Like that was not something Kobe did purposefully. No. He's he's so I mean, I I, I find it I, then and now it, it was so epic and peak Kobe <laughs> that he is you know, he's Kobe freaking Bryant unloading to some dude in a parking lot. <laughs> he's so angry. <laughs> some this is not an executive, it's not a reporter. A, it is a guy like getting groceries. <laughs> like, yes. like, it is the original sir this is a well Wendy's. <laughs> like you know it's like he that it is so Kobe. You're coming back, you're walking to your car and it's like oh hey it's Kobe and you suddenly find yourself in that conversation with him. Ship his ass out. Get me Jason Kidd and all that and you're like that was unexpected. It was but like in an end up. It was in some ways. It was sort of the uh, a precursor to the, the environment we live in now. The difference is everyone now assumes they're being taped or tapes things mm -hmm. on purpose. Or in the in the case of James Harden, you know, when you get up in front of your <laughs> your camp in China, in front of, again, I'm not. 100% convinced that the, the campers even understood everything that he was talking about. Oh, I think um, they did. I don't know if they did or they didn't, or if they needed translation or what was translated or not. I don't know how, I don't, I don't know if those were a bunch of native English speakers. And the, the point is it doesn't matter because when Harden stood up in front of those, in front of those kids in front of those camp and said what he said, it was with the full knowledge and the intention of, of that clip getting pushed back to the States, getting pushed back everywhere and being viral in an hour. There was no, like, there, there was no accident there. No. That is the difference in how athletes now convey their messages versus then. And they, it wasn't like this radio tour and all this stuff with Kobe wasn't that long ago, but the, the, the way, and we'll, we'll talk about this probably tomorrow, I think for, uh, you know, uh, speaking of Kwame, you know, Paul George had a really interesting segment with Stephen A. Smith about Kwame Brown, where, where Kwame came up um, so that, that we'll get to. But like now, if James Harden, I guess, wasn't overseas, he would have got hopped on his own podcast or something like that. Like it is such a different environment in which these types of of messages get delivered. And that to me was one of the the craziest things about it um i still we still haven't talked about the uh the anthony davis part which i want to get to I do want to remind people that uh today's episode is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started we'll see if we have enough time for uh palinka and and uh darvin ham's comments but hey andy if some of those things have to wait until later in the week that's okay we'll get to all of it next So, Andy, there were some people, you know, who were concerned. I, I, would you agree overall the, the response to the Anthony Davis extension was more positive and less angsty, at least among our 
Twitter followers uh, at Cam Brothers, or um, you know, we we put out some polls and asked the questions and stuff on on the on the YouTube page, uh, the show page. More, it was it was more enthusiastic, less angsty than I anticipated. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say the reception. You know, very unscientific uh, accounting of all of it would be about seventy five in favor, twenty five somewhere between disliking it and just too nervous to be able to enjoy it. Right. Which is pretty good. So, you know, when you talk about people yeah. like ultimately support it, you're talking about 85% of, of Lakers fans. That's a pretty big percentage. So one of the things that, that I, I said, it's like, look, Anthony Davis is an injury risk and everyone knows it. Um, you know, in his, as he gets later into his thirties, that is only going to intensify. Um, but, at least the thing that you know is that he is one of those guys. He is that good and that talented and that capable of dominating. And when you have one of those guys, you have to keep them, even if it does extend a little bit more into their 30s. And even if there is an injury risk, because the perfect player isn't really out there. They're like three guys in the league you feel pretty comfortable giving that kind of money to. Um, Harden, for me, really encapsulates that because – Part of the problem with Harden is he isn't that guy anymore from a, in a couple of ways, you know, from a performance standpoint, you can't rely on him um, in the playoffs when you need to. And from a cultural standpoint, you can't rely on him because he does this every freaking year now. And so in, especially in a new CBA, three or four or five years ago, six years ago, whatever, James Harden, even this aged James Harden would have, figured out a way he would have been traded and somebody would have given him an extension. That is done. Guys like him are the ones who are, are going to be um, squeezed from those big giant, you know, max extensions. Um, And, you know, you don't want to be in a position where you put yourself in a position where you you might need to sign one of those guys. The Lakers avoided that by saying, we'll take the one that we have, who is what we know, we, we, we know he's, you know, good enough. And so I, I just think the Lakers, it, 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 it puts into perspective once again how much better off the Lakers are by just getting the Anthony Davis thing done rather than having to play games like this. Well, I mean, not just good enough in terms of Anthony Davis' talent, but also professional enough. I mean, when you start getting into the money that's a part of this new CBA and contracts like the size that Anthony Davis got in this extension, professionalism really matters. And the closest thing Anthony Davis has ever had to controversy was his way out of New Orleans. And yeah, maybe if he could go back in time, he might wear a different shirt on his last day as a Pelican. That was an accident. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember it turned out it, it was his handler. It was mm-hmm. the it was the the handler in charge of his clothes, just lays out his clothes every day because Anthony Davis at I don't know, age 25, I guess wasn't capable of dressing himself without an assistant. He didn't even realize that it was a that's all folks shirt until he was like wearing it. At that point, like, what are you gonna do? I mean, you know, it's not He's not Kyle Kuzma. He can't run around without a shirt. Like, but, sweater. Yeah. But at the same time, though, like the Pelicans did some things to antagonize that as well. Remember, there was like one point they weren't playing him, and he and it was pretty well reported. He wanted to be out there playing. Like there were, and, and the Pelicans have not always been a particularly well-run organization either. 
Oh? But, yeah. But <laughs> particularly then. But that aside, AD has had no controversy in his career at all. He is a fairly low maintenance guy, I think, as far as superstars go. Um, you know, maybe there have been questions about, you know, the fire burning bright and hot enough, you know, inside him, like that, that sort of thing. But I think it's pretty safe to say everybody thinks he works pretty hard. Everybody thinks he cares about winning. He shows up. Everybody the same thinks- thing you said about Westbrook right. yesterday. Say what you want about Westbrook. He shows up. Anthony Davis yes. shows up. Right. And, you know, James Harden now is in this place where I think his entire career has become a catch-22, where even if he is 100% truthful and accurate right now, that Daryl Morey made promises to him um, about trading him once he opted into his deal, and he's he lied about that, or you know there had been a spoken unspoken understanding about leave some money on the table, we'll care we'll take care of you on the back end. Lied about both, whatever. It, it doesn't matter because he's the boy who cried wolf, and at this point he's created so many messes. Nobody's going to care if it's the mess this time around that he didn't actually create. He's also, as you noted, he's the type of player that you would trade for either because you think he could be the final piece that pushes you over the top for a championship, or you think he could be part of creating a championship culture. And as you noted, he's a terrible culture guy and he has a terrible playoff record. So it's like at this point, figuring out what you do with James Harden, even in and of itself is difficult. And he really has nobody to blame but himself. What what I think is happening here and this is one of those trends that I think is going to to stick a little bit um, going forward is, you know, it's one thing, Damian Lillard, for example, is still a, is a, is still a really productive player and a really good culture guy. Now trading him only to the Miami heat is difficult and it may or may not work and it, it will get messy to some degree because when you, when you ask out, it is impossible to do that in a super clean way where there is no ugliness at all. Again, Anthony Davis found out the same thing. What Harden is, is, is running into is the, uh, and Kyrie, I think ran into this a little bit too. And I just don't think guys necessarily have adjusted their mindsets in this Like The players at that level who have been at that level, I don't think they've quite, some of them have adjusted to this idea that the answer isn't always going to be yes. Because we went through a long stretch of time, um, and this is related to the the Darvin Ham stuff, which I guess we'll get to later in the week about um, title talent and title depth. The answer was, the, the league was so preoccupied with big threes, get your stars, put as many of them as you can on the team at the same time and figure out the rest later. Ta- star talent will carry the day or whatever. That it all it didn't matter if you had a guy who was close and you know you, you thought you could get that title or it would put you in the window or make you relevant or whatever. You did what needed to be done to get that guy. You always said yes, and even if they were on the downside of their career a little bit, you still kind of said yes because you could squeeze just a little bit more out of them and then you know figure it out later. Kyrie got a soft no, um, and Harden's basically getting a hard no, and. That is going to be, I think, the trend that kind of goes forward with some exception, you know, the Phoenix Suns and stuff like that went, you know, the Bradley Beal route and all that. But I just think more and more of these guys, as they get older, if they lose either the talent or the culture and certainly both, 
they are not going to find the options that they they once had. Well, at the very least, what they're not going to have happen is they get what they want right away. They get mm-hmm. it right now. Like ultimately, Dame Lillard may end up in Miami, and I just want to emphasize what you said as well. Lillard's reputation has been impeccable in the NBA. Like I don't. To me, this does not change the way I see yeah. Lillard as far as leadership, as far as accountability, anything like that. I think he has been nothing short. I mean, he's he's has a reputation as one of, if not the best leader in the league. I think he's up there with LeBron. He's up there with Steph. He's up there with the guys that you really think about that way. Mm-hmm. He just wants out, and he's being inflexible about where to go. But he's arguably earn the right to be this right. and it's also august so it's like right. there's still time to try to do it in that way and look james harden may ultimately end up on the clippers because that's apparently where he wants to go and eventually the sixers may decide we need to move forward if for no other reason than to keep joel Embiid from losing faith in what we're doing mm-hmm. but i think the days of just Demand a trade, you get moved in 72 hours or less, no questions asked because you're a star. And the and by the way, the receiving team will say, we'll take him. No questions asked. We don't care because he's a star. And those days multiple, may be over. Multiple teams. I think that's the other thing, too, is let's say the let's say the Sixers like, sure, we'll open it up. And the the Blazers were like, sure, we'll open it. Lillard was like, sure, we'll open it up. Um Multiple teams would be like, "Oh, well, we could, we could get Damian Lillard. Let's see. Let's let's make that call. Let's see what we can do here, um, and give up real stuff to get him." How many teams, Andy? Do you really think if if Harden says, "You know what? It doesn't have to just be the Clippers. Daryl Morey, find just find me somewhere to go." How many teams do you think would offer anything of real value for James Harden? I don't think many. I don't I think don't. many either. I, he is he's such a specific player who is not a culture guy and again the whole reason you would have him is for the playoffs and he does not have a playoff track record well I mean he does it's bad I guess he do, he does not have a track record of coming through in the playoffs if anything he has a track record of just bringing down a team in mm-hmm. the playoffs like Lillard I think if it opened up, there would be some reticence when it comes to the price tag. And, you know, he's in his early 30s at this point. Like, that contract is not going to age well. But Dame is still a guy that if you are a championship-caliber team, you want him around. And, and that dude is nails in the playoffs. He's really good. Yes, he has some limitations. But you have no fear about adding Damian Lillard to your championship-caliber right. team. I think it depends on who you're talking about. Yeah, um, it's just it's it's a fascinating moment, I think, for the NBA, um, and this really kind of encapsulates a lot of the ways that things have shifted. And obviously, anytime you're talking about a shift in how stars and star players and and the the way the market reacts to those players, it is highly relevant to the Lakers because the Lakers, when they you know they're going to need one of these guys in a couple of years when LeBron is done, um, the Lakers are always you know, at the very least, back of mind in, in these types of conversations. So uh, we didn't get to Rob Palenka. We didn't get to Darvin Ham's comments. Uh, I, I want to talk about that uh, Kwame Brown moment from the Paul George things. We've still got some stuff to talk about over the course of the week. Uh, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out. 
be part of the show. Leave us questions, leave us comments, uh, mailbag type stuff. We love, we do check every day. If there are questions in there, we look every day to see if there's something we can use on the show. So please leave that stuff there. Uh, and we will see everybody next time.